Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and wildest true crime cases in history and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking at Issy Sagawa, the Kobe killer. How are you, my darling? I'm so well, thank you for asking. Oh, well, well, that's, well, that's great. (laughs) Well, well. Well, well. Do you know what? You arrived at mine earlier with a bounce in your step and I knew that you were having a great time. How are you today? I'm fucking buzzing, I'm fucking buzzing, Oh, my God. All right, Devo. I'm great. I'm I'm wonderful. Helen's off her face on caffeine. Energy drinks. Oh, no, I'm fine. It's de- She's a 16-year-old. I'm not. Yeah. It really... Dry. With your vape and your energy drinks. L- listen, listen, okay? Caffeine is really good for people with ADHD. When I went to the psychiatrist, he told me to buy caffeine sweets, which were like these things with super loads of caffeine. But I don't want sweets. I just want to... So I, bu- I buy them in a drink form and I don't get the monster or red bull shite I get some like gym person's like equivalent do you know what I mean yeah and prime because you're oh we're not well. buying that anymore Helen's collecting the balls she's putting them up in a garage I've seen yeah on it. a shelf yeah she's gonna keep them and sell them for <sighs> money no I ain't buying the prime anymore it's good because it, it's a stimulant yeah right caffeine's a stimulant and when you've got a really busy brain that's going <laughs> the whole time I, I describe it as like Pac-Man. I think I've explained this before to you, but imagine yeah. it's just, it gives just ADHD something to do when there's something there that's stimulating. So you feel a little bit more calm and focused, but also just like on it at the same time. It's, it's weird, I but feel, it feels good. When I think of your brain, yes. I love send, I love falling into Instagram holes and I always see reels and I'm like, Helen, this is your brain. Because <laughs> um, it'll be like people running around like... <laughs> <laughs> like with fun music or whatever, or like that lady that like is like I remember when, and then she does the fart. That's my favorite one. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> but but um, that doesn't translate well on the podcast. I realize. I always think of your brain. I describe myself quite often in the evenings when I'm alone and I, all I have is the need to snack, like Kirby, yeah. the little pink guy going... <laughs> yeah, I love Kirby. He's a he's a yeah. legend. But I always feel like your brain, and I always think of your brain being like, caffeine! <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dopamine! Yeah! Like Nunu off the Teletubbies. Yeah, that is me. I am Nunu. You are Nunu. The caffeinated beverages. Yeah, I love it. It makes me, like, I get a lot of, like, I'm always like, oh... Yeah, it's a great times. Nunu brain. My little Nunu brain. We have announcements to make, but we're going to make it. It's a very important one, actually. We are going to make it at the end of the podcast, so you have to stick by and listen to us now. Ha! Ha ha! How's Be- that for a cliffhanger? We- yeah, Ooh. before we're going to tell you the business. So, do I have any stories to tell you? Oh, I got back from Austin, Texas yeah. on a trip. And this time, I'm disappointed. Why? Because I can't remember what trip you was on when you went to the Bourbon factory. Oh, in... Bourbon. Yeah. The Bourbon. Yeah, I got it right. Yeah, Yeah, the Bourbon factory. 
factory. Sweden. Next to the custard cream factory. <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm, I know how to say it now. Yeah, but I'm Helen, accustomed to the bourbon bourbon. Helen's learned all the words now. I know. So. But that was good fun. I have severely burnt my bottom. She has. I've oh, seen it. Oh, my goodness. So I wore skimpy bikini bottoms for the first time ever normally it's like a full covered high waist jobby but I I, I had these new ones I didn't realize they were skimpy as they were I think I just had a wedgie to be fair and I was laid on my front for a bit just on my phone because I was obviously doing travel content for Brand USA and I was just doing a little bit of work on my phone laid on my front at a place called Barton Springs which is the most beautiful like natural springs swimming place anyway 40 degree heat I didn't feel hot because I'd been in the water Ah, oh, it's the biggest rookie fucking error I could ever make. Yeah, right. I for someone, my first day in the sun. Right, and then for someone that's always banging on about all right, SPF on your face. Well, I didn't SPF my ass, and I and I, we went back to the hotel, went to, went in the pool, met some friends, made some friends, and then I got out of the pool to go to the bar, and the the friend, one of the blokes that we made friends with was like, "Cool." Your ass. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's going to be the response. Core, your ass. No, no, he was English. Oh, he was damn. a geezer. He was the first, only English person that we met. And um, but no, and I went what? And then Marika went. Oh, I went what? And I your bum. And I looked in the mirror because I went to the, ended up going to the toilet to look, and it was it was like Mars. It was just illuminating red. So I went round Helen's the other night, and she just went, "Look at my bum," and flashed me, which obviously I'm quite used to now. Yes, yes. And that was the reddest I've ever seen it be. Yes. Normally it's like a peachy moon. Peachy white moon. And creamy and uh, Creamy and white. Oh. Never ever describe it I know. as be creamy I, and white. I said it and I was like, yuck. You're disgusting. I was trying to build you up and it just made it weird. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, Helen, you're so creamy. Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> have anything to bring to the podcast either. So you um, just, oh, God. Like, or should we just. To crack, crack on, on with it. Heck. Okay, right. So here we go. We're gonna get. We're gonna get into it. So it's a warm evening in Paris, June 1981, on the banks of the lake of Bois de Boulogne. A man. Ooh. Did you like that? Yeah. Thank you. And a man is uh, having a walk when he spots a suitcase floating in the water. He starts to open the bag. And he spots a man walking away and he asks if, if it belongs to him. And he responds with no. So he continues to open this bag. And what he finds is the dismembered body parts of a young student, Rene Hartvelt. He lets out a scream. By this point, the passerby had disappeared. Whoa. What he doesn't realise is that he just almost caught Issy Sagawa, the Kobe killer. Whoa! Yeah. Why would you open the bag? Well, you just like see the suitcase not... on the floor, and you're like, "What's in here?" Yeah, but no, I'd look at it and be like, "That's a bag there." Who's opening a bag? He's interested. He wants to. See. He's like, "Oh, someone's left a bloody suitcase here. I better open it and see what's inside of it." My brain is immediately going, "Bomb!" Yeah, don't or touch that. After this story, it's probably some be dismembered parts. Bobby, yeah, body parts in there. Will be, won't it? Who's opening the bag, though? Let us know. Are you going to open the bag? I'm not opening the bag. Are you opening the bag? Mm, no, that means I have to get my feet wet to get, you know, you'd have to get oh, a yeah. bit wet. To so get, it's in the river? It's like in the lake. Yeah, no. By nah. the banks. Like, fair enough. You're sat Someone, there. Okay, you're sat on a bench. Yeah. And a suitcase appears. But next to you on the bench. Yeah. It just appears. Like with a genie. Yeah, I'd open that. 
I'm like, this yeah. is meant for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're opening that. I'm opening that one. If it just appears, I'll puff a smoke and it'll yeah. plop. Like a little... Oh, wrong Ooh. one. That one, yeah? yeah? That one. Okay. I'm opening it. Yeah, to be fair, so am I. All right, if you are sat on a bench and then you just notice out of the corner of your eye, there's a suitcase there or there's a bag there. I'm not opening that. I'm not opening that. I don't want to I open might that. watch it there for a bit. There could be dirty knickers in there. Well, there probably is. And... Yeah, no thanks. Somebody needs to question this man. Why did you open the bag, mate? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a good job he did, but why? Mm. Well, it's a good job he did. So let's get into the story. Sorry. That's all right. Issy was born on April 26, 1949 in Kobe, Japan. And he was born premature. At the time, they didn't know he was going to survive as he had quite a few complications and health problems. He was so small when he was born, he fit into the palm of his dad's hand. Tiny, tiny, tiny tiny, baby. And he suffered like a few illnesses when he was a child. He wasn't a well boy. And due to the medication that they gave him and also being premature, he was a very small and frail child, which led him to be quite introverted because, you know, the other kids are almost like, Ugh, you're a bit weird, you're very small. You know, <laughs> you're a bit weird. <laughs> what but a tiny child what a you child. are. Yeah, so he was quite introverted and he's had many friends. So he, he threw himself into literature. Later on in life, he got a master's degree in English literature. He had a good upbringing, though. He had wealthy parents who were very, very loving. And he talks about his childhood as the best time of his life, which we usually have the opposite in a lot of these cases, don't we? They have, yeah, there's always like abuse or there's something. But he, yeah, his, his parents were very wealthy and his dad was like some big old boss man, you know, of some company, like the president of some water company or something like that. But he, was, he, did, he did good. They did, and and he talks about how he, he they were they were always in nature in the countryside, and they're always outside doing things, and it was just a really nice time. Interestingly, though, his uncle would play a game with Issy and his siblings, where he would chase the kids around, pretending to be a big child-eating monster, right? Right. And he would lower them over the a, like a boiling pot, like you know, just above it. And the dad would join in on the game and be the hero and rescue them. So it was just like a silly game that he would play with the kids, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad used to pick me up and put me over the edge of a cliff or a pier and sort of pretend to drop me, (laughs) right? So, um, yeah, that's extreme. Which is slightly more concerning, but... My dad just used to drag me off high places. Yeah, I literally remember being off the side of Bloody Cromer Pier once, like, and he would hold me above the water and then just, like, sort of drop me a little bit. You're not He's, a big fan of heights, actually. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I think I turned out all right, you know, apart yeah. from a slight fear of looking over the edge of things. I'm all right on a plane, though. Anyway, Issy loved this game. He found it terrifying, yet thrilling, and it sparked a fascination with fairy tales, especially where people get eaten. So think of, like, Hansel and Gretel, you know, dragons eating people, like any sort of story where someone's getting eaten. He, as a kid, he loved that. Okay, interesting. Now I'm thinking about it. So I'm on this journey with Sylvie about, you know, like I'm now sort of finding the fairy tales again and the nursery rhymes and stuff. They're all fucking dark. Some of these, why is that a children's rhyme? What's the one where I'm going to grind your bones into dust? Yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk terrifying why are we telling that to children look i think you should still because we turned out okay danny did we 
I feel like I feel cool. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> we talk quite regularly about how much therapy we need. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, like Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, I mean, she literally cuts her grandmother out of the wolf's stomach. Yeah. Or and the, and the wolf one? the wolf dresses up as a as her. The wolf eats no, grandma. The, no, yeah, he dresses up as the grandma. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you've got Hansel and Gretel, the witch who's going to cook them in the oven. Yeah. And then she gets put in the oven instead. Yeah. Witch pie. Witch pie. They are pretty but, fucked. Yeah, there's loads. Don't, don't, don't shelter Sylvie. She needs, she needs... Well, I don't know. Let's shit. finish the story. Right, okay. if, what, not, she really, if she really this. likes him, then <laughs> am I going to feel scared? She's going to turn you into... Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Before we go any further, we need to talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, BetterHelp. That's right. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Sometimes in life we are faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. I find that sometimes it takes a different perspective to give you some clear thoughts. Because you should talk to your friends and your family about stuff that's going on in your life. Yeah, but, I think... You know, they're biased, aren't they? Exactly. I think sometimes just having that unbiased, unfiltered opinion yeah. and they're also going to have like a personal input like what they think is best for you because they know you but sometimes people want you to do what they want you to do do you know what I mean whereas a whereas a therapist wants you to do stuff that for you like uh, yeah I think therapy is one time where you can really for me it's one time where I, I can really trust someone who's not just going to say what I want to hear but whatever they do say is going to be for my best interest. Yeah. And I think that's something like I struggle with generally, you know, like intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like I've got this big decision to make. I'm going to ask for someone's opinion. Oh, they're probably just saying that anyway, because yeah. they just want to shut me up. Or yeah. they just want to like, yeah. But at least I think with therapy, that person is there for you and only for you. Exactly. You know, that's their job. It is. Their <laughs> it is. Is to not just tell you what you want to hear, no. but to tell you what's actually going to benefit you the most. Exactly. And sometimes we all need just that little bit of extra help. And I think it's you don't have to wait until you're at crisis point, you're boiling over, your brain is like going to explode. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's definitely better to wait, get there before you get to that point. Things don't like, have to be that bad. It was like brain maintenance. Yeah. Isn't it? Like if your car was stalling, you wouldn't wait to go to the mechanic. You'd sort it out there and then. Yeah, and you should do that with your brain. Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And the best part is that because it's online only, you can make therapy fit into your life whenever and wherever you like. So it's as accessible and stress-free as you need it to be. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-I-T-D to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-I-T-D. Right, now let's get back to the podcast. Back then, sex was a massive taboo subject. Like They just did not talk about sex. He recalls not even hearing his parents say the word. So... You know, the birds and the bees chat is out the fucking window. Like, you just don't talk about it. Don't know what it is. He didn't understand, really, what relieving himself sexually was. So when he first experienced an erection, 
he thought he was unwell. Oh no! So to relieve, but to relieve himself, he got his dog to. I mean, that's lick, weird. Lick, lick down there. That's, yeah, that's weird. Anyway, yeah, it is. regardless of whether you know what's going on or not. Yeah. Why? What? Yeah, that's weird. I know. That's an odd. That's just an odd reaction to any situation. Oh, I'm unwell. I'm going to get my dog to lick it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've cut my arm. I'll get the dog to lick yeah. it. Yeah. I've got a headache. I'll get the dog, dog to, to lick, lick it. it. Well, obviously, because he didn't have. They didn't have the chat. Like, they didn't have the chat. Like, you know, when if, if you, you have an erection, don't let your dog lick it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This obviously sort of distorted his understanding of sex and sexual desires. Like, because he didn't understand what this was and. Yeah, but why is basic basic instinct isn't even to get an animal to lick it? No, I know, but like, how many girls? I feel like how many girls didn't know what their period was and were like, "Fuck, I'm dying," mm. right? And how many of them were like, "Dog could probably <laughs> clean that no, up." For no. I know, <laughs> I know. So I'm troubled by this. Yeah, I I was. I was like, I don't put the two together. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Izzy started having cannibalistic thoughts in the first grade. What? Yeah. So he would have been about seven years old. Fuck! Yeah. This was from looking at a young boy's thighs. And it sort of stirred up these thoughts of like, I wonder what it's like to bite them. Like, I want to sink my teeth into them. They look juicy, you know? Oh, that makes me want to vomit in my throat a bit. And his Mm. desires then shifted towards women. So from obviously... My understanding, this is, and he was probably perhaps unaware or uneducated on how to relieve his sexual desires. Somehow this turned into a lust for flesh. They correlate, they would sort of became together. In cartoons, when you're really, really hungry and you look at a bin Mm. and it turns into a a burger yeah and then a mirage yeah and then reality comes around and and he's then the the cartoon cat or whatever is chewing on a yeah bin or you look at like a a, a, yeah you look at something long and it turns into a hot dog yeah instead of feeling hungry he's feeling horny and looking at a the flesh a lady and seeing a big chicken leg yeah yeah so his the 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 wires are crossed here, like his sexual desire. I wonder if there's actual. Flesh I wonder is, if there's actual like brain chemistry that has gone awry. Yeah, here, like like development. Because you know, I've sort of spoken about this before, where there's this sort of research into paedophiles have the 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 maternal and sexual parts of their brain. The wires are like physically crossed. Yeah, parental instinct. I wonder if that yeah. is, is is there any science. But behind that, I, I I think that he obviously had an interest, like he obviously had this sort of liking towards the idea of eating people because when he was a kid, he, you know, fairy tales and playing that game with his uncle. And then because that obviously brought him joy, perhaps, you know, that embedded itself into his, like the sexual side of his brain. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Just, it's just, it's just, an, yeah. An odd, because like we've all heard those stories and I've never eaten a person. No. As far as I know, never eaten a person. No. Always wonder sometimes, don't you? You've gone to a, that restaurant. Like, yeah. Mm. You never know. So his this desire for flesh only grew, as it always does. <laughs> These urges. And at the age of 24, while attending Wako University in Tokyo, Waco University in Tokyo, 
Sagawa followed a woman home and broke into her apartment while she was sleeping. So his intention was to slice off a part of her bum. Fuck sake. He just wanted a bit of her bum. He should have gone for yours. It was already cooked. <laughs> Wee. Well done. Third bum joke. And there's plenty to go round. Hello. So he snuck into her apartment. You're on fire today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so he snuck into her apartment and he was quite nervous about, at the time. Good. Right? About, he's, he, didn't, he didn't know what he was doing. Like, and he was trying to find something to like knock her over the head with so he could knock her out and cut a bit of a bum off. But he was looking around and he was probably unaware of her surroundings. He was leaning over at the time and she, he obviously nudged into her and she woke up. Fuck. Screaming. And like, it all kicked off. And... He was arrested. Good. But it was for attempted rape. So he didn't he didn't deny it. He didn't obviously say, no, actually I was in there to cut a bit of her ass off because I'm a cannibal. Yeah. His charges were dropped after his father dropped the charges. Uh, no, he paid him off. Paid yeah, him off. So he paid him off. Because he's, he's a rich man. Powerful man. Yeah. I wonder, like, so he got arrested for potential rape. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Is there a crime for intended cannibal? I have no idea. But I think he just didn't want them to know. It would be assault. Because it would sound insane as well. Yeah, it would at least be like battery or something, wouldn't it? Cutting mm-hmm. cutting somebody's bum off. Yeah. In 1977, at the age of 27, Issy moved to Paris to pursue a PhD in literature at the Sorbonne. During his time in Paris, he would spend a lot of time with women, especially sex workers, and he would often try... He'd obviously invite them back to his... And at, he would try and shoot them try. whilst they were unaware. He would try then it, and shoot them. Yeah, but he was, he'd was he chicken out. He'd freeze up. He wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah, I thought you right? were going to say he was a bad aim. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he just, you know, and he a real thing for Western women. He liked okay. how pale they were. And he says that his favourite time of year was June because it was the hottest time of year in Paris. And that's when women would have their legs on arms on show because he just loved really pale, milky thighs. He just wanted to sink his teeth okay. into them. Yeah, so he'd spent a lot of time with these women, hoping, finding them just delicious looking. However, on 11th of June, 1981, Sagawa, then 32, invited his Sorbonne classmate, Renee Hartvelt, a Dutch woman, to dinner at his apartment. So he made out that it was just doing homework for her to help him with an assignment. Okay. But when she was facing the desk with her back towards him, he came from behind and he shot her in the head. Fucking hell. He first undressed and raped her. Well, he had sex with her body. He then continued to finally live out his fantasies. So he started by trying to bite her in the bum cheek. He said that he went for the right cheek as the left was closer to the heart and he doesn't like blood. You fucking what? Yeah. You just shot her in the head, mate. That's really bloody. Yeah. Eh? Right. But his teeth weren't sharp enough to bite through, so he used a fruit knife. That wasn't sharp enough, so he had to go down to the market to buy a meat carving knife, and there he began to cut open her flesh. So he first recalls that it was a yellow corn-like substance, which was fat. So he had to cut deep to finally get down to the flesh. So he quotes... The first thing I did was cut into her buttock. No matter how deep I cut, all I saw was the fat beneath the skin. It looked like corn, 
And Ugh. it took a while to actually reach the red meat, Sagawa recalls. And I can't. I, can't. I, know. I actually can't. But yeah, well, you know, when I was... I've shut my eyes. Yeah. Well, I was watching the documentary. It was at this bit where I was eating my stir fry. And they actually... You can watch the Vice interview with him on Netflix. And they show the images from the crime scene. You see all the deets. And I was like, I was not prepared for this. It was horrid. I'm having a hard time. Yeah, it's nasty. So he consumed various parts of her body, eating most of her breasts, face, buttocks, feet and thighs. He then... He ate her feet. There's not even any meat on them. Eh? Mm. Oh, I watched my grandma suck the meat off a chicken foot once. Oh, my God. You wouldn't think that there's much meat on a chicken foot. Well, I don't think they're still to this day. She couldn't eat a foot. Watch. You just know it's a foot. Well, yeah. And like the chicken foot, it's like, like Caribbeans, they don't waste anything. You put everything in the neck, the feet, the stew chicken, and the foot had all like clawed up. And I still, that just flashes in my brain every now and again. Oh, funny grandma how that Grandma eating a chicken foot. A human foot. I know. He also said that he swallowed her clitoris <gasps> because she was on her period. <gasps> he didn't like. He said he yeah, he doesn't like the smell of menstrual blood, so he just swallowed it whole. What? I know. What? Right. I bet it went down quick, though, because it's smooth, <laughs> isn't it? It's small and smooth. I mean, at least he found it. Or... Yeah. Hey! hey! Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was very poor that taste. That was great, though. No, yeah. come on, yeah. Right, I've taken a, I've, there's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of issues. He says he doesn't like blood. He shoots her in the head. I mean, there's no way for him to know she's on her period before he kills her, but he could have probably just dropped it into conversation if he's that intent on like, I don't like, I don't like the smell of menstrual blood. It smells the same. Everyone's like, oh, period blood. My mum once told me it's the cleanest blood that you, you know, that will come out of you in theory because it's supposed to nourish a, a fetus. So, you know cool it probably doesn't smell the same i don't know i don't really smell my own blood realistically if there's that much blood from everywhere he's already cutting all their yeah bits off. you're not going to be able to tell the difference is he get over yourself yeah right? so fuck off with that you've you've done it now yeah. in it there's blood everywhere literally you've done this the bloodiest way possible if you you just keep saying you don't like blood you'd either su- have suffocated her first or you'd have suff- you'd have done something that wasn't bloody you've shot her in the head there's bits of skull and brain everywhere Right? Heads bleed loads. Loads of blood everywhere. You're cutting her feet off. You're eating bits of her bum. You've eaten bits of her thighs. Artery there. There's going to be blood everywhere. Right? But yet you swallowed her clitoris whole because you didn't like the smell of menstrual blood. Fuck off, mate. You can't tell the difference. You're a prick. I don't know where that came that from. That was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I feel, a little like, bit, feel a bit of feminist rage out yeah, there. Like, yeah, like, no, fuck off. Fuck off. Like, the whole thing is fucking, like terrible but don't like just the that bit just feels like an extra demeaning little bit like oh yeah. i swallowed her clitoris it's because i don't like the smell of menstrual blood because periods are dirty fuck off yeah yeah i feel I mean, I, yeah that's what i felt when i read that quote from him yeah because i thought bell end mm. yeah so he put the rest of the body in the fridge after he'd done that oh good and then ultimately he said his only regret was that he hadn't eaten her while she was alive <gasps> oh dear it gets worse. Once the parts of her body that he didn't consume started to decompose, he put them in a couple of suitcases and called a cab. The taxi was said to comment on how heavy the bags were and said, have you got a body in here? As a joke. Oh, God. I know. 
Yeah, it's Rene. Issy said it was, it was books. So he took them down to the de Boulon, Boulon, which was a park slash lake. And he made the mistake, however, he's a bit of an idiot. He made the mistake of going on, it was still light outside, forgetting that at 8pm it's still light that time of year. Right. Because there was still people out and about, you know, chilling and having their picnics, having their, you know, lovely time in the, in the sunset in Paris. So he walked to find a quiet spot where he started to push the cases into the water. And as he started to walk away, he heard a yell and he turned to see a man opening the cases. And then the man was like, are these yours? And he seemed to think that if he said yes, he wouldn't have opened them up anymore. But, he, but you know, instinctually, he just went no straight away. So if he said, are these yours? He might have gone, oh, all right, I'll leave them. But he said no. Yeah. So we're like, oh, I wonder what's in here then. So he opened them up and that's where he finds the remains of Rene. So he's this man. Let out a big whale and he keeps walking off. But Issy was arrested four days later. And this is where it gets wild, okay? I mean, it's not already wild. Yeah, That's you're not going to believe this. Issy uh. Sagawa awaited his trial for two years at a French prison. When it was finally time for him to be tried, the French judge, Jean-Louis Bruguer, declared him legally insane and unfit to stand trial, dropping the charges and ordering to him to be held indefinitely in a mental institution, right? Yeah, well, we already know... However, the French people, the French public, didn't want to pay for this. They didn't want to put up this guy, this Japanese man that was a cannibal, out of their own pocket. So they deported him back to Japan and he was set free. You are fucking joking. Nah. Because I can kind of see the insanity, because it's weird, isn't it? He obviously planned it to, there was some kind of forethought, because he already had the gun. You don't just have a gun in Europe. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, America, people are born with him, aren't they? You just you get have a baby, it's given its first gun. Yeah. And you all just love guns. You all just love guns. I'm gonna, I know you don't all love guns, I'm being sarcastic. But there's a lot of gun love. It's scary. In Europe, you, you you don't just have a gun. No. So he's obviously gone to some level of preparation. Okay. I'm going to shoot someone. You mean you said he tried multiple times and chickened out. I mean, that's a weird one in itself as well. We've never really heard that. Like some failed attempts, he got caught or like, you know, she fought back or something like that. But to just be like, oh, no, I can't. Yeah. We don't really hear of that. But then it's like he just got so caught up in the, I'm going to shoot her in the head and I'm finally going to get to eat sink my teeth flesh. into my thighs or whatever. I forgot about any of the other details. Oh, I don't like blood, but I've done this really bloodily. Oh, somebody's going to handle the bags. Oh, whoops, it's light outside. Like, none of that makes sense. No, in- I think he was just a bit of a fool. Just a bit of an idiot. Yeah, but, but, he, but he's got he's studying a master's in literature. I know, like, but... You've got like, to have a certain amount of brain yeah, capacity to be able to yeah, do Yeah, but that. you don't have any fucking common sense. Yeah. You could be the smart... You could be sharpest tool in the bloody knife drawer, but it doesn't mean you've got common sense. He sounds like he just... He's a bit of an... He just sounds a bit... Like, it's stupid. Like, airheady. Yeah. Like, I'll just... Oh, whoops, it's light outside. But I think so also... I can kind of understand... I can almost understand, because when you put all of those things together, it doesn't... We talked about, like, Ruth, Ruth Ellis... Somebody messaged me like she obviously had battered women syndrome and I don't think she did because she planned it. Like she went away. She learned how to shoot a gun. She got dropped off at his house. There was premeditation there. Mm. It's still a crime of passion. I'm not taking that away from it. Like she was furious and she decided that he had to die. But she premeditated yeah. committing that. 
Yeah. He's premeditated this to an extent. Yeah, because but it's he, so scattered. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I can, I think, um, I think I can kind of understand, okay, he's, this man is obviously insane. Like, but like to but a degree. Is, so he, but the point is, he got sent back to Japan. He did get put in a mental institution for like a very, very short period of time. But because the crime happened in Paris and it was something to do with the legal documents or whatever, Japan just weren't that interested in it. So he just was let go. How odd. So you've got this guy. Despicable. This man that's got these urges, like cannibal. He's just killed someone and eaten them. It's walking free. He's just walking around. That is so frightening. Yeah. I think it gets, like, obviously the worst has happened. He's killed someone. He's eaten them. Poor, you know, poor, poor woman has been, has been, you know, hum- mutilated. mutilated, right? Yeah. But then, but then it gets worse because the response that he got in Japan was quite the opposite of France. And he actually became a cultural celeb. And he was called by various publications to ask to write for them. The first To being, write what? A the, recipe column? The first, Are you fucking joking? The first being a magazine called Murder in Mind to oh. write an article about his murder. And he got paid good for that. He said at the time, Japan was in like an economic bubble. This is what he says in the documentary. And they would put 10, 20, like 20 Ks on the table. Here you go, write for us. And uh, following that, it just drew more attention to him and more work came his way. So he wrote books. He wrote books with pics of Renee, Renee and the gory crime scene. So not only did she die in a most horrific way, but her murder and her death in her face were just published in all these books like it was a spectacle. So all the crime scene photos, all of the pictures that the police took, all the pictures of her dismembered body, all her body parts on plates, her face, like the most gory photos you've ever seen were just in these books that he wrote. For entertainment. For, for people's morbid fascination or entertainment. That's disgusting that I know. profiting off that. So her poor family. I know. Comic books were written with it like like sort of like manga style illustrations. He did guest speaking. He appeared in a variety of movies and documentaries. There are even a couple songs written about him. La Folie was a song by the Stranglers. They they wrote a song inspired by Sagawa's story. And Too Much Blood by the Rolling Stones also well, they're not like, they don't think it's a good thing, but people sang about him. He was also in a weird porno, which was like a reality show where a woman shared a house with him for 24 hours. And after they have sex, he then tells her that he's a cannibal and what he did. And you see her real life reaction of like, what the fuck? And then he tells her what he wants to do with her. And this is all being filmed. He talks about how he wants to drink her urine, like how he wants to eat her or all this sort of shit. This is after they've had sex. And she's absolutely fucking horrified. And this is like a a Japanese reality show, like porno reality show. What the actual fuck? Like what the... Well, the fuck? Yeah. Like, also, those fucking producers, they are definitely hoping that he kills her. I'm sorry. There's no way they put that woman in that situation without her knowledge. So, therefore, could did she actually could she actually have fully consented yeah. to what was about to happen to her? Yeah. There is no way they did not discuss the fact that he just goes off the rails and is like, yeah, and just kills her right there and then. They ain't going to be able to get there in time. Like, what mm. are they going to do? Mm. That's if they exactly. Oh, there was a camera crew there. Yeah, 
Film yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, but what they're going to do by the time he's like bit into her throat and ripped it out yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like it's done. But it, you know, they, all, they knew, they knew what they were doing. They put, that's like putting a lion in a cage with a sleeping baby. Yeah. Right. I don't think he's a lion because I just, you but know. The, but like, the, a lot you know of the, I mean? the other like documentaries were, some of them were very strange. Like some of them would, because he was obviously a short guy and like frail some of them made him do like humiliating stuff, like did put fitness tests on him, and they they were kind of mocking him a bit. Like it was just a very odd the sort of TVs and documentaries he was in. Like he was definitely used a bit for entertainment, but yeah, they were just fascinated with with this guy with him. Actually, also going back to the porno thing, what was really strange is they actually remained friends. They became really close friends. Her and Issy, like it's just yeah, bit strange. This is the world we live in. I know. Later on in life, after the buzz around him died down, he said his life was really hard. Trying oh, to get so trying to get a job as a known murderer and was like being in prison itself. Like Oh, it's difficult, was, is it? Oh yeah, you've yeah. got to live your life as a free man. Yeah. Oh. But he was still coining in on royalties from books and he was he was also writing restaurant reviews and doing art. So That's he was still making sick. Yeah, like so he would still talk about how he has his urges and he would usually masturbate to try curb them, but he became impotent. He came, he came impotent, so he couldn't get a boner anymore. An erection, sorry. And he was unable to masturbate to scratch his itch. So these urges, these cannibal urges, like, it was so intense. Like, I'm not saying at all that he's right at all, right? No. Obviously, there's something... Uh, uh, of some fucking wiles yeah. across in his brain and so he's got these tremendous urges for flesh right that he can't do anything about and he obviously had a way of coping before but it's like i can imagine actually that being really fucking difficult and he goes on to say that he was getting to the point where he was he wished he was dead he wanted to die but but funny you know he wanted to actually die by being brutally murdered and torn apart by a good-looking woman. He wanted to suffer. He said, I wanted my death to be slow and painful and I wanted to be torn apart by a woman. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? I just... I hope he died really peacefully then. Well, he so actually... He get what he wanted. Because that's the thing. Oh, yeah, slowly and painfully. He'd have got satisfaction from that. Well, he actually then, as he got older, he started to get, like, various different illnesses. He became, like, wheelchair-bound... His brothers then cared for him. But he actually died due to complications of pneumonia at a hospital in Tokyo on the 24th of November 2022 at the age of 73. That was just last year? Yeah, last November he died. But he'd just been walking, he'd just been living as a free man. That's mad, right. Can I look up some of this? Can I look up one of his TV appearances? Yeah, go for it. But that is the story of Issy Sagawa. That was really short, actually, wasn't it? Like, short, yeah, well, sweet. That, that not was sweet, it. though. Like, fucked. Absolutely fucked. Every time, you know, every time I'm like, God, the world has some madness, isn't it? In it, doesn't it? There's just a whole new fucking level of mad. <gasps> so I've just put Issei in, and the first one, Issei's Segawa. Mm. He's a frightening looking man, just anyway. Mm. This is awful. This is, he's awful. He's awful. Look at his face. No. Oh, look, but there he is with her face in a frame. It's awful. Yeah. 
And he's just got a picture of Renee in a frame. Disgusting. Like, I feel like it's just like he was just able to sort of exploit her over and oh, over again. Oh, he did. Again. That's I think that's the worst part of the story. Yeah. It's like her her poor body was just like like you can look it up. It's like just she's there. had no sort of dignity. No, or... and he made he made money out of writing books about it. There was no punishment. He was praised for it almost. People took a fascination in him and they wanted to wanted more from him. Like it's mad. That is that. That was a great well, great story. Gross. Gross story. Very interesting. Yeah, and you got story. ragey. Very ragey. Yeah. Been a while. Been a while. But anyway, we have an announcement to make. We do. So, as somebody's already picked up on this, actually, on Instagram. Some Hello. astute listener. What? At the end of last week's episode, mm. I said this one is the last in the series. Mm-hmm. Let me just get, I'll, I'll name drop, I'll name drop. Because no, don't name drop, just make it anonymous. Okay. Well, they've commented on a post saying, I've noticed you've said series and not season. Is that a typo? That it's just going to be the end of the season and not the end of Devils as a whole? I thought season and series meant the same thing. Well, that's why I said it. But she's not wrong. No. Is she? We have made the executive decision to end the podcast from this on a high note in a way not, not it was it has been a challenging for us series season to see so we lost our producer didn't we we lost our producer dear alex and she was an absolute dream for us to work with that actually came just at probably the worst time for both of us yes like you've got so much you just going on in my personal in your life personal life and like business wise yeah I'd obviously just had a baby. Yeah. And, and navigating that has been a real challenge. And I think I feel really proud of us for giving it a go. Yeah. And trying. We really, really wanted to continue because I think we had really big plans. We did. And I think year, we were very we? excited with Alex about season three and doing Crime Con and doing that and working as a team. But like on our own, it's actually a lot more work than we anticipated. And it just became quite stressful at times. And if I'm being completely honest, and you don't mind me saying this, Danny, it did put a bit of stress on our friendship. I think at times, yeah. And, like, and, and we weren't prepared to, no. we weren't prepared for it. And I think for both of us, mm-hmm. we're real perfectionists. And it's yeah. actual, it's like, it's an issue for me. But um, like that, I, I've, you know, we talk about it in therapy. But um, like, yes, okay, you can do a true crime podcast. But I think for us, because we're not experts as well, I will easily spend 10, 12 hours just researching before mm-hmm. I even start writing mm-hmm. a script. Mm-hmm. And which it's so time consuming. We want to do it right and we yeah. want to do it well. And I just don't, th- I think for us to be able to keep putting this out there and doing right by you guys as, as fans of true crime. Yeah. But also to do right by the victims and yeah. like and the history of what we're talking about. It's a lot. And I don't I just don't think that at the moment we can keep doing it justice. And I just keep getting forward. imposter syndrome. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm just, I'm I'm gonna be completely honest because I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm always so honest. Like I feel like this is because obviously I enjoy consuming true crime. I do like talking about it. But like we said, because we're new to it and we're not experts, like I just 
I've always got this feeling of I've done something wrong. I've said something wrong. I've I've got the facts wrong. Oh, and I just I'm not I'm not cut out for this. But for some reason, when Alex was producing it for us, it felt like a little safety blanket. Like it's okay because she knows she knows yeah. best. So now we're on the open wild together. I just think this isn't my forte, and I feel uncomfortable talking about. I know we've done all right. Like the season was fun and fine, but behind the scenes, I'm just like <laughs> we, plunged, we plunged ourselves like. <laughs> We plunged ourselves right in the deep end. We were yeah. just like, right, we don't need to change anything about what we've been doing. We'll just carry on how we've been doing it, but we'll just do it all ourselves, everything. You know, whereas if we'd started grassroots ourselves, you know, yeah. we would have let something slide, whether it's audio quality or yeah. um, production quality or, or something. And yeah, so we've been trying really hard. And I think I don't think, I ho- really hope it's not the end of us being in the studio together in a different format or you know oh hell yeah like, like we have this this studio is ours right yeah i'm gonna miss the smell <laughs> of it i'm gonna miss my exactly so i gotta come back at some point yeah and i think i would rather i can see now it's taking a toll on both of us and i i would die if it got to the point where sort of people are listening and going do you know what guys this just isn't good yeah anymore so I think before we get to that point, it's right for us to bow out for like, now. Like Def Leppard said, it's better to burn out than fade away. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the word? Is that the right? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, gonna, sounded, I'm just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we would just like to say thank you so much to everybody that has listened and supported us and been there. It has been a pleasure to deliver these horrific stories to you. An absolute pleasure, which sounds sick and twisted and it probably is. And to everybody who has messaged, commented and reviewed, even the ones that are like, it's just two women cackling again. Ugh, disgusting. One star. Thank you. Thank you. Because every little helps. Yeah. You know, all press is good press, yo. It's it's really not. (laughs) And everybody that has come up to us and said in that public, like, we love your your podcast. We're like, oh, thank you so much. It's brought so much I yeah. think that's the thing that I will take away from this and my favourite thing has been the interaction hell yeah with other people who are on a similar wavelength to us and I've just I've loved it so thank you so much for taking just for taking the time for taking the chance on us for taking the time hey, to listen to me. us for getting invested in ourselves and our stories and I think I'd also really like to say thanks to producer Alex oh Alex we've missed her terribly on yeah. this season and because this is really her baby as well. Yeah. Like she put so much work into it. Well, it was there. The early. I mean, it was Audio yeah. Boom's idea. And they came to us. Would you like and to do this? And we were like, yeah, okay. And so, yeah, producer Alex really producer deserves Alex. a lot of love. And we will always be very grateful we will. to her. And Ellie, who's helped us edit Oh, Ellie, season. thanks. Ellie, it's just saved a lot Thank of our you. bacon. Early and also has just provided a bit of a soundboard. Yeah. And I think also a shout out to Mike at Audio Boom oh, as Mike. well, who did try it. He did to try to help us, us save us, <laughs> salvage it. Yeah. But yeah, it's been fab. Just follow us on our personal uh, socials. Mine is at Helen Anders with a Z and yours is at that Danny Howard. Yeah, D-A-N-N-I, not the raid, not the DJ. If you don't, if you don't not already. And we'll keep you updated because I have got a hankering for us to just chat shit moving forward. Well, Good, we've, well you know, organise shit, <laughs> organise chaos. We've we, both got some, like, I think, exciting projects yeah. on the horizon, hopefully. Yeah, we have. So. But I would love to be back in the studio with you, Danny, at some point when we figure that out. Yeah. 
and be here to speak to you about cranes and salmon cans. Yay! So thank you so much. Thank we you love so you much. all. As always, there. If you need any support, following the content of this episode, we've there got some, some helpful resources on um, um, but in down the below. Description. description. And I guess we'll just leave it there. I love you, Helen Anderson. Oh, I love you, Danny Howard. I almost feel a bit sad. <laughs> um, yeah, so for now, this is the end. The final curtain. Goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> good friends, goodbye. Do you know what? Um, <laughs> I popped in my head when I left the house this morning and it seems like a what? good time. The sun has gone to bed, bed and, and so must I. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that's our bed Goodbye. I sound like I've smoked 50 a day because I lost my... I've been speaking a lot recently. As you can tell, yeah. I'm a husky little bitch. Anyway, let's say bye because we're on a yeah. fucking tangent all the time. Oh, it's happened again. Love you all. We love you all. Thank you so much. And the devil's Instagram won't go anywhere. It's just not going to be very active. <laughs> yeah. We'll do one goodbye post maybe and love you all from afar thank Bye. you Bye. Bye.